apparently go go Browns. What do they say? Go dogs. Uh, what are they? Go pound. I what I what are their math? I don't know. Like dog pound something. Woof. I don't know. Yeah, I think we could look at the table and say we don't have any chairs to sit on. What do they call them? Like apple appleites or something? I don't know. Appletons. The Seahawks are a point of frustration. Welcome back to another episode of the Fantasy Football Astronauts. I'm your host, Jetpack Galileo, and with me is Ryan Keeney. Today, we're going to tackle quarterbacks. Ryan, how are you doing? Welcome back. Yeah, thanks. Uh, it was an excellent show that you had last week. Really, really enjoyed your discussion. And it's good to be back, and I appreciate you you covering for me. So I know we're going to be talking about quarterbacks today. And quarterbacks are a lot of fun for me when I look at projections and I look at how to model them, because what we start to see is that there's two primary approaches from an analytical perspective on how we would tackle quarterbacks. One, we can start with the quarterback themselves. We think that maybe they're the most important piece of the offense, which is true that they, they are. Um, but there's there's also a whole other part of the game. You know, there's 11 players on the offense so 10 other players in the quarterback and those wide receivers those receiving options offensive line all matter and so one way we can say okay start with the quarterback and kind of look out or we can kind of take the opposite approach and say uh look at the receiving options in particular and then attribute stats to them because those stats tend to be actually even a little more sticky than what is attributed to quarterbacks on a year-to-year basis especially wide receivers. And we can actually build ourselves back into QB projections. And personally, my preference is leans a little bit towards kind of that second way, kind of like the reverse building of projections for quarterbacks, uh, because uh, just on a year-by-year basis, teams tend to change what they do quite a bit. So it's like their, their pass rate, um, how often you know they're in positive game scripts, uh, you know, the rush rate, how often they're they're rushing versus passing. These things can, you know, tend to be quite noisy year to year. But if we can start kind of with what is what is predictable most, which tends to be the wide receivers, and we can kind of build that back into what we think an offense is going to look like, how often they're going to be having to throw the ball, if you think about it that way, having to distribute the ball to their talented playmakers on the outside or inside, wherever they have them. And then kind of building back into projections for the quarterback, you can start to start to come with a, a holistic approach for why or making a, a very sound argument for why we think quarterbacks will maybe change from the year prior versus just looking at attempts or looking at uh, something like that. Now, of course, there's things we can always account from a quarterback level, like Lamar Jackson, always rushing about 20%, Kyler Murray just behind him. So they're, of course, going to be at the top of our rankings. Um, but for me, I really love kind of the puzzle that is quarterback projections because you got to pay up. And especially in best ball, more and more savvy players are drafting the elite quarterbacks in the higher mid rounds. So rounds five, six, seven are where you're going to be starting to see those quarterbacks go. And so for me, it's it's been really interesting to see that kind of development from in that strategy in best ball. And then, of course, we've got late round QB strategies, uh, plentiful. Um, maybe do you pay up for... For someone, do you not? At what point does it does it matter? So it's really interesting to get the kind of the different strategies uh, all around the quarterback, and, and of course with them not being 
maybe one of the harder positions to project on a year-by-year basis, which can actually be mean that uh, if we can identify the right ones, which I think we can, it's actually a bigger edge for us and a bigger edge for you when you're playing fantasy. So don't skip quarterback rankings just because it can be a little bit more difficult and it can depend on a lot of other pieces. The trick is, is to kind of pick a strategy that you're most comfortable with, that's kind of picking a player um, at value, one of the elite players at value kind of in the mid rounds, target a few players there. Um, or you can wait and you can go dumpster diving with us. And, you know, as we jettison out the space junk here, where you can dig down the board and we can try to give you values, you know, outside the top 10, outside the top 15 quarterbacks who, yes, they're going to be a little more volatile in terms of their projection, um, not going to necessarily be a sexy pick. But if the situation kind of is favorable for them, you know, that you're looking at a top 12 quarterback and excellent return on value. So that's a, that's a lot of me talking jetpack. Why don't you kick it off here? I think is the obvious 101 of, of quarterbacks, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so uh, we'll actually just run through my top tier of guys. And I think most everybody's going to have this group basically be the same. And so Pat Mahomes, for me, is is ranked number one in terms of where I would take him. Uh, I have Dak Prescott, two, Lamar Jackson, three, Kyler Murray, four, and Josh Allen, five. And so that group is a little bit uh, jumbled from you know the, the standard top five. Most people have Dak at five, Josh Allen at two. But for me, uh, those guys in that cluster, I, I want them all together. I'm pretty comfortable with really landing anybody in that spot. Um, but I do think uh, probably the most interesting guy out of that group is Dak because of his value, where you can get him as a QB5, but I think he has the opportunity to actually beat out Patrick Mahomes. Um, so it, just in my own modeling, uh, Pat Mahomes is running around – 23.4 points per game and Dak Prescott's running 23.5, 23.6. And so I got them really close together uh, as far as their outlook there. Um, and both of them over 5,000 yards, both of them over 40 touchdowns. Uh, and it's the rushing, figuring out what's going on with the rushing there that I think is the separator for them. Yeah, absolutely. An interesting thing to talk about Dak Prescott, especially coming back from his injury, it, people... I don't know if the perception is out there that he's he's going to be running less or what. He actually wasn't really a a prolific rusher of the ball last year. If you look at what kind of rush share attributed to some of the top quarterbacks in the league, Patrick Mahomes was actually lower than you might have expected at uh, only 3% of his team's rushing opportunities. And Dak was at 8%. Now, that's kind of the exception when we start to look at some of the other players there in, in the top five. You know, we've got... Josh Allen, 14%. Kyler Murray, 18% last year. Lamar Jackson, 22%. So really, I think both you and I are on the same page here, where we see Dak Prescott as leading a very prolific Cowboys offense. So it's something to monitor. Just, you know, he's had a few injuries with his shoulder. Um, so just kind of to watch here as he's kind of recovering from one his ankle and a few things to watch this offseason. But we don't really see any reason for concern. And last year in the games that he was playing in, even the games uh, where he only played part-time, he, he was averaging the second most fantasy points per game. Actually, the only person who was better than him was the single game that uh, Marcus Mariota played. So uh, actually was a 0.1 points ahead of Patrick Mahomes, depending on how you um, are scoring fantasy points. So he's, he's a guy who absolutely can be in the top tier. And, and if people are kind of scared about the injury, he's a guy that, 
I think is is fantastic as well. So I, I have no qualms about putting him at number two. The the only reason I could see people kind of making an argument uh, for Murray or one of the other players over him, it'd be the rushing ability, which which is fair. Uh, but I just think the weapons that Dak has at his disposal, really from from running back, you know, we give Zeke a hard time at times just because you know he can look a little lazy always, although he is always falling forward. Um, he does have some dynamic ability to catch out of the backfield, which is underrated in his game. He does that very well, did that exceptionally well in college. Pollard, we know, is electric. Um, their tight end situation is meh, but that doesn't matter when you've got Gallup, Lamb, and Cooper on the outside. Yeah, the other guy that I think is worth kind of, well, for me, worth discussing in terms of how do I figure him out. So with Josh Allen, like the way that I'm projecting is I, I always look at those rushing touchdowns that he has and I say, oh, it's got to come down. But he's, I think he's eight and nine every year, eight and nine touchdowns running the ball every year. It's a huge boon to his value. And and so like this year I have him at seven and I'd like feel like, okay, that's got to pull back a bit, um, but it just never does. And I think, um, you know, he's the guy that when people are saying, okay, somebody that could pass Mahomes, he's the other guy. And so really it's, I think for me, it's those three guys that have the most potential. Josh Allen, I think carries a little bit more risk because we've only seen him do really well once. Uh, and so I, I think that the the passing upside is there. They threw a ton last year. Um, but what are you, what's your thought on Josh Allen? Do you think that there's any regression possibility for him um, just coming off of the one good season? Or did he show enough for you to say, I'm investing with this guy and he I'm putting him in my top three, top two? Yeah, I think he's solidly in the top five, uh, in, especially in terms of redraft. In, in terms of dynasty, I tend to be a little more hesitant on watching a guy who who kind of made a, a third year leap that was really unprecedented. Um, I just some seen some different studies done that was posted this week where it's like if you're looking at the completion percentage over expected for the first two play first two seasons in a player's career, it, it really doesn't improve hardly at all for the third year. That's just not normal. And Josh Allen was was exceptionally good last year. He he almost broke um, nine, almost seventy percent passing completion percentage, which is just you know completely. It's, it's unbelievable. It's more than, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's so, out of this world. So, and and you know what? This is a this is analysis. You know, hindsight. It, where I I missed this last year, and, and that's because um, I did not think or did not believe that Diggs was as talented as he is. And, and you know, we had some indications uh, of just how good he was in Minnesota, uh, but I just wasn't sure he was going to be able to put it together in Buffalo. Typically, when you see players change teams, it can be difficult. And in this case, Buffalo just completely unlocked Diggs. And he's both those players last year, really, if you had either one of them or both of them, there's a good chance you were winning your league. Yeah, do you think... Um, so the, the 37 touchdowns passing for Josh Allen, the eight touchdowns rushing, do you think that he hits those numbers again? Is he getting the same ballpark? Cause to me, it, it almost reminds me of Lamar Jackson's, I believe it was 2019, uh, where Lamar threw 36 touchdowns just two years ago. And then in 2020, he threw 26. Right. And so, uh, you know, I don't think that too much is changing in the, the Buffalo receiving core, like Emmanuel Sanders. I don't think he's going to be worth too much. Uh, and so, 
what what is your thought on the variance of touchdowns and was Josh Allen like way overproducing touchdown scoring and he's going to step back a bit or do you still still see him in kind of that ballpark? Yeah, I think it's safe to say project Josh Allen for some regression. It just to to how much is is kind of the you know the ant is is really what you're trying to figure out. Now, if you start to look at him in terms of his his rushing ability and things like that, it's yeah, it's a little bit above average, but it's not yeah outrageous. I think if you're projecting him uh, for you know six plus rushing touchdowns, that's something he can absolutely do. Um, that's it's a little more efficient than some of the other players. Uh, it, that's about the same yards that he did last year, same attempts that he saw last year, but it's really not way outside the the realm. Uh, of what you'd expect, especially since we can expect Josh Allen to see his number called quite often in the red zone, where some of the other quarterbacks aren't or or weren't as, as efficient. So I think that's maybe an area that I I wouldn't project to regress as much as his passing. His passing efficiency was exceptional last year. We've already gone over that. And, and additionally, uh, he was putting up efficiency stats in terms of like touchdowns per like yard, or touchdowns per attempt on the same level as a Patrick Mahomes. It's, you know, it's some of these elite passers in the game, you know, Russell Wilson, uh, slightly more efficient. There wasn't very many other players kind of in that, in that realm outside of maybe an Aaron Rodgers, right? Last year, who just put up an unbelievable touchdown rate. So it, do we think Josh Allen is going to be kind of in that top five, in terms of like efficiency converting, you know, his attempts into touchdowns. No, I, I don't think he's quite that level of passer. Uh, I just, you know, I have seen it, so maybe I should believe it. Uh, but that's an area that I would project to regress a little bit. I think I think it'd be safe to say uh, project him for closer, much closer to you know, thirty touchdowns is still being very generous. If he's scoring above thirty touchdowns, he's going to be top ten in in that category in the league, and and there's a good chance that he's a top five quarterback in fantasy football based on his rushing ability. So I, I don't think you're really too concerned just because you can fall back upon his athletic ability and the ability of that offense is in, in a hole. Um, and unless you think Zach Moss is going to step up and try to score some, you know, up, score some or convert some end zone or red zone uh, opportunities. Uh, so maybe there's a few analysts out there who would really like that to happen. Um, I don't know yet if that's that's really something i want to buy in on although i think boss is a value we can get into that at a different point but yeah it, i would project it both regress a little bit but his passing efficiency in particular is going to be an area where he should fall back down to earth a little bit and and that just takes a little bit of edge offices off of his uh off of his, the advantage he gave last year definitely still still a guy you're picking highly uh and should be happy to have on your team he'll do well um you know, but he's he's a player who struggled with with turnovers in the past, going even going back to to college, and, and that's something that can be uh, just as surprising to me that he was able to avoid them so much last year. Uh, and you know, if that you know if those revert up to fifteen plus or fifteen or so interceptions, which is kind of what I would expect from a player of his caliber, um, you know, it looks like a little bit different season. So it's very good. But maybe not, you know, challenging Mahomes, challenging some of those other guys at the top. 
Yeah, and the other guy you brought up was Russell Wilson, and and so for him, he's out of my top five, and I think everybody's basically on the same page. He doesn't necessarily belong with all those other guys because he's not going to get the same kind of quality passing volume. Um, but everybody knows who Russ is. Everybody knows how reliable he is, and he's still pretty young as far as uh, just overall age. So there's not really an injury risk or anything else that's jumping out to you and definitely is still retaining some of that dynasty value uh, going forward. Well, with Russell Wilson, we saw him hit 40 touchdowns last season uh, with the emergence of DK Metcalf and then Ty Lockett also just, you know, just being available and bouncing back from the, the calf worry that um, people might have been concerned about two years ago. And so just to see them hitting all cylinders, uh, that was really exciting. Do you project Russ to continue to do well in that sense where he's in this high 30s, 40 touchdown range? Or do you see that coming down? Because, I mean, really, they only have two weapons. Uh, main guys. So yeah, what what are your thoughts there on uh, the Seahawks moving forward? Do you expect them to pass more, or um, are they going to you know try to pull back a little bit and rely on that ground game like has been their nature? The Seahawks are a point of frustration for me as as someone who just one I love good football and two really want to see Russ unlocked. And it's something that we saw for half a season last year. You know, through half half a season, they had, we're leading one of the most prolific offenses in the league, and they were everything that you know. It's like let Russ cook. You know, people in that camp who believed it was going to happen were just like throwing it, and everybody who said like, "Look, this is just not the Seahawks what the what they want to do." And, and you know what? It was funny because if you do a split in the first half of the season versus the second half of the season. You know, it you can make it a completely different argument. And and that's something where I think going forward, Russ is not providing quite the same level of rushing ability um, that he was in previous years, just because he is he's gonna be turning um, thirty-two at the end of this season. So I mean sorry, thirty-three at the end of this season. He's thirty-two right now. And and he's just a guy who's gonna be rushing less and less for you uh, in terms of providing that you know, it really is. It's coined the Konami to- code for uh, for a reason. And, and when you're seeing someone like Russell Wilson start to rush around the 4%, you're starting to rely on him being an excellent passer and him being able to pass quite often. And if we follow some of the talent, some of the moves that they made this offseason, it seems like they their offensive line should be slightly better. Um, that's not really been an issue for Russ, though, honestly. I think Russ, Russ just loves to run around and gets himself sacked. Uh, but that's okay because he extends plays and he gets the ball downfield to Metcalf and Lockett makes those amazing highlight plays. So it's kind of a trade-off with him. Uh, but for me, Russ has always been an efficient passer, and that's something I would bet on continuing. Um, of course, if you know, it's always dangerous projecting someone with a lower pass volume, which I think Russ should be in that category just because that's been the trend uh, with Pete Carroll there in that offense. And Russ seems happy to do it, especially if they're able to have their defense operate at a, you know, what you would expect or to be at a decent level. They have Adams returning this year. He should be fine. But um, And you've got Chris Carson coming back, and they like to rely on him. So uh, he's a guy that, you know, kind of leading a winding road, this narrative for Russ, and kind of describing both the sides of this, this same coin, which is a player that, you know, if, if he's asked to play against a – Tom Brady against an Aaron Rodgers against a Patrick Mahomes on a week by week basis. Yeah. I want him in my lineup every single time because Russell Wilson can hang with those guys. 
especially when he's asked to hang with those guys. He's one of the few players in the league that can just go out against any defense and perform. And and then to see that just being shut down when they go play um, just a, a team that's not very good, like if they go play the Broncos, they go play the Raiders, it's like, why are you playing like as tight with these guys as you were against like the best teams, the best quarterbacks in the league? The, the Seahawks, more than any other team in the league, seem to play to the level of their competition. And it's frustrating oh, because they should just smoke those bad teams. And they don't. They just, that's just not the way they run. Uh, well, <laughs> maybe it is the way they run. That is what they like to do, <laughs> right? But uh, but it just is a, anyway, that's my kind of rant. Um, I can see two sides of it. For me, when you've got kind of these polar extremes and you've got a player who relying on efficiency and kind of a dwindling rushing opportunity, yeah, he's, he's not going to be quite in that top tier for, for me. Uh, but if there start to be injuries to that defense and they start to go against maybe in a, a healthy stretch of competition, and note, healthy competition just means that Vegas is giving me lots of points on the point, uh, you know, either on a point spread, like they're going to be down or they're versing a good offense and like look for the line totals. The line totals over, you know, over 40, over 45. Uh, yeah, you're, you're all in on Russell. So, but unfortunately, those games can be far and few between. So, yeah, he's the top of my second tier. And then rounding out the rest of the tier, Justin Herbert, Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, what do you feel about the rest of those guys? Uh, I mean, we're glad Aaron Rodgers is back. I think we hit on our 70% odds prediction of him returning to Green Bay and being faithful to all those guys. Um, but is there somebody that stands out here in this group or somebody that we're missing in this group that you would want to push up into the rest of the second tier? Yeah, Um there's a few players that I think we, we could discuss as being having the ability to be in this tier. Maybe they shouldn't be drafted in this tier, but they have the ability to break into it. And a player, if I could get confirmation from Kyle Shanahan right at this very moment, get a you know a little text message here on the side, um, you know, blue check mark or whatever, or, you know, what is it? What color does it change if you got an i iPhone? Is it like a special color? Anyway, so I get my special color message. You know, some buddies, you know, we're, we're visiting the Apple store there together with, with Shanahan. And he's like, um, just so you know, this new, fresh, hot, you know, unboxing product, you know, it's like the, it's like the, tra- uh, the Trey, Trey Lance is like that fresh Apple product, right? And you're just going to be like, unboxing it and i just wonder if kyle shanahan you know after he sends me my what is it blue or green whatever it is i don't know i'm an android user um you are huh you know he, he yeah he's he's uh anyway so kyle shanahan shedding it set on his ways and he's he's sitting there with that perfect unboxing moment and i just don't know how long he's gonna let that sit when he's got to use like the most clunky like maybe windows vista version of Garoppolo, and and at some point you know what he's gonna be like yeah 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 he's like you know what at some point he's just gonna have to to you know turn on that webcam and and flip it down and show us that awesome 
I was going to say package, but that's not appropriate. Uh, and show <laughs> us that box, and it's slowly, unre- you know, you can just imagine it's like clean white packaging, and and as you open it up, it's like it's just gorgeous. Minimal instructions, you know, just the way the Apple products do it, where it's like it's a whole presentation on how you un- unveil it, and that's what we're going to see this year when Trey Lance hits the field. You're going to see something that Jimmy Garoppolo only dreams of doing, something he's never done in his life. Like, yeah, they still might be, like, kind of the same in, like, the stuff that they can kind of do. Like, you still, like, type on the keyboard. They still, you know, like, there's still a screen. You know, they still connect to the web, whatever. Maybe they got Wi-Fi. I don't know. You know, 5G, whatever. That's up. But, like, one of them is, like, you're working with, like, 720p and and like trey lance is going to be 4k and it's just going to be such a big difference and i don't know how long you know especially since he's starting to get a sneak peek here during training camp that uh shanahan is going to be able to keep his new toy under wraps and i think if if trey lance hits you know if he performs well in a few of these preseason games i how does he not play? And if he plays right away, he's a guy that should be in this tier, absolutely, um, in terms of where his finish. Uh, and he can be drafted a tier tier below, you know, outside uh, outside the top ten. So, oh yeah, way outside. Yeah, he's right now his ADP is twenty one. So yeah, there, there's one other guy I'll talk about, and he's kind of like the you know if you think about. Well, so real quick, that was a really yeah, okay. Hey. That was a really well thought out and elaborate explanation from an from an Android user touting Apple products. What's the deal there? Okay. What, are you a uh, Android user? What's the, I mean, what's going on? Oh, yeah, so we can dig into that a little bit. So <laughs> I, I like good design and it's my background is in engineering. Um, and so I, I, I do appreciate something that's well done. And so I have some frustrations with Apple in terms of their design environment. But in terms of like they're operating, like what they allow in or out, um, the flexibility and stuff that I use on a daily basis, it really Android Windows tends to suit me better. But that's just because the stuff has been built for that. If it had been built for for Apple or to work with the Apple products, then then yeah, sure, I'd, I'd be fine with it. Um, but I use some Apple products for teaching in a classroom I'm in right now. Um, and it's just really nice to get something that is exactly as marketed and it works extremely well in the functions that it's designed to be to be used for now i have some complaints maybe about apple pencil and how it charges and a few of them but those are just nitpicky things like it, the thing that it's designed to do is write and you know palm rejection and connect and hold a charge and it does those things extremely well while looking extremely good and it feels extremely gratifying to unpackage one of those products so for me i just have to draw the parallel Shanahan, you know, out in San Francisco, kind of the California, no Apple design in California. Yeah, well, um, Apple, if you want to s- support us in this podcast, uh, anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, it's just a, it's an experience that I think we're all going to get to sit through this season with a number of different quarterbacks, with the fields, with the, um, with the Trey Lances, with even to some degree, um, Zach Wilson in New York, Mac Jones, Trevor Lawrence. This is such a good quarterback class uh, in terms of like the rookies that are coming in. It, it's so special. And and right now we're starting to get like 
the pre-launch buzz. Like we're starting to like, you know, Apple has started to like, they've done their big Steve Jobs announcement, right? And now we're getting to the part where we're going to have to decide whether we want to line up outside the store to get these guys. You know, it's like, okay, do we do we want to camp out with the other, what do they call them? Like Apple, Appleites or something? I don't know. Appletons. Uh, Apple um, yeah, sure. Yeah, it works well. Um, <laughs> sorry if you are an Apple phone. Uh, uh, Apple, if you support us, we will cut that section out of the podcast. Um, yep. Trip, yeah. Yep. Yep. All, all bad comments. Um, anyway, yeah, so that's, that's kind of for me. It's just like this. We're going we're gonna to experience it with these guys this season as we're going into it. It's going to be special. Um, and, you know, we said it's going to be special for a while. And we're glad to have you guys along and in, in kind of watch it unfold. Trey Lance is maybe the guy I think we're going to see first. Although Justin oh, Fields really? seems to be working his way up. Yeah. Well, I mean, in terms of guys that are expected to actually weren't expected to start till maybe right. halfway through you the think season. Trey would I think play before Fields. Um I'm not so sure about that, but I think I think uh I don't know if I had to make a bet on it at this point. The com- at least you know, it, I don't know, if you if you say Garoppolo is like Vista, which is like one of the worst operating sensors, like operating well with like worst worst received operating systems ever. Uh, I don't know what the parallel would be for Dalton and the competition that Fields is facing in Chicago. Like, it's just not even comparable. So at least Garoppolo, we think he can play. He's just been put in some bad situations previously. Um, Fields, I think, is is not only talented, but is who's he going against, right? It's like he's arguably the only starting quarterback in town. Yeah, I, I mean, so, I know that Dalton at this point in his career is ready to be the backup and ready to be the Alex Smith or the guy that mentors and helps. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I do believe, I think Justin Fields will start week one. That's just my thought. And so when I'm ranking awesome. Fields, when I'm ranking Fields, I have him as a, a top 10 quarterback for me. So he's the guy that is just sitting outside of this tier uh, mm-hmm. and and his ADP right now is quarterback 19. And so like, I'm perfectly comfortable taking him as like, you know, the 15th quarterback off the board. Right. And that ballpark, um, I'm all about Justin Fields. So he's, I think the, one of the mega values, and then I would agree with you on Trey Lance. I think he's another mega value potential, um, that will just help you out down the road. But I think Justin Fields is a guy uh, who's going to start pretty early, right? It's not going to, you know, Trey Lance, they might, I mean, he might not start until week eight or something, right? It's almost like Jimmy Garoppolo would have to like significantly struggle or they'd have to lose a game uh, because of Jimmy, which, you know, really isn't that hard to do. Um, but but as far as Fields goes, uh, I think the talent, like you're saying, the talent gap is is pretty obvious and they have, they have no reason to not get him out right away. Um, it's not about protecting Fields anymore. It's about, getting Nagy, uh, you know, the opportunity to, to save his own butt. So yeah, I think that's, a, field that's, out, well put. I think that, that's the big key. Um, but yeah. And then, so, okay. So with, with all these rookie quarterbacks, I think what we're seeing in the quarterback landscape is, I mean, definitely we're at the point where playing one QB is, is not even like fun. It's not really worth it because you have this great depth of dynasty quarterbacks who, in my opinion, you're going to have, you know, 10 solid guys who could all be playing for that top quarterback spot. And, you know, like you can argue, oh, there should be 
10, 15 guys in these top two tiers um, moving forward, you know, with this in big influx of talent. And so I guess, does, does that change your strategy at all when you're looking at the entire quarterback draft board? Let's say we're playing Superflex Dynasty. You know, are you a, uh, I need one anchor or are you like, let me grab two of these like middle tier guys and stack those together. What's your kind of thought there? Cause I'm almost at the point where paying up to get a Mahomes or paying up to get a Kyler Murray or a Josh Allen is less enticing to me because I know I can, I can, you know, grab a Justin Fields and a Trey Lance together. I can grab exactly. Trevor Lawrence and, you know, somebody else, Ryan Tannehill, really close to each other. So what, what's your thoughts on that kind of difference mm-hmm. there? Is it worth it still to, to be grabbing the Mahomes uh, way up high and paying that cost? Yeah, I think Mahomes uh, highly for sure. I'm, I'm fine with Dak towards the end of the first round too. After that, I'm kind of with you. I'm, I'm, I'm fine waiting uh, through the back half of the first round through the second and picking up some more of the elite options at whether it be tight end if you want to, you know, tight end premium league um, or going for one of the top flight running backs or wide receivers is fine. So for me, I really don't, I don't see that. I think this is a, this is a kind of a strategy we really went into a couple podcasts ago. So go back and listen to that. I think it's dynasty strategy one or two where we talked through some of the quarterbacks that are available in Superflex League um, towards the end of the third round, really through uh, about the fifth round or so, um, if you're looking kind of this tier. Um, and that's right where kind of that second group of elite rookies are going. Not Lawrence, because Lawrence is going really first, second round in most Superflex startups, um, but Fields and Lance and it, like some of these other guys are going in that range and as as you can see or as the startups we've done recently with our patrons and patrons and in discord followers you and i are both just uh like over and over again it gets to the third round and we're picking up we're picking up these guys a guy uh sorry these guys being uh, justin fields and trey lance are like our targets we we love these guys we cannot like i cannot think of a better value in the draft than getting those players at that spot um, unless something really departs from ADP in your draft. So ah, like throw an asterisk on that. Um, another player that I think is really interesting and, and that I drafted just ahead of you in one of our leagues uh, was Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow, I think has the claim and, and has the ability uh, or like maybe has the experience, better way to put it and the talent surrounding him to be in this second tier. Not so much of course on his rushing ability, but he's a player that I saw that you had projected for over 5,000 yards. And so how does he not make this, you know, tier two for you? Even he's not even your tier three. Is it, is it just purely based on offensive line injury concerns with him kind of having some issues with his knee at camp? Yeah. So we'll dive into, let's, let's talk about this third tier and kind of put names to it. So right now my third tier uh, quarterback 10 is Justin Fields. Quarterback 11 is Tom Brady. Uh, 12 would be Trevor Lawrence, Matt Stafford, Jalen Hurts. And then I have a little bit of a gap. And then it's Cam Newton, Kirk Cousins, Joe Burrow. And so for me, 
yeah, I mean, Burrow doesn't really. I, you can, I think he could easily slide into this tier three, but he's clearly outside of the tier two for me. And so, uh, part of that comes down to the way that I'm projecting him, uh, and a lot of that has to do with the rushing. And so, I'm not worried about his knee specifically. I'm not worried about him playing. I think he'll play. Uh, the question for me is: Does any of it? Does he lose like the entirety of his rushing upside? And when you do that, even if you're throwing for 5,000 yards, it's really not worth much. Um, all of the guys ahead of him, uh, except for Tom Brady, uh, are going to be scoring rushing touchdowns. And so that, that I think, is, is pretty relevant to the whole conversation, and we miss that a lot. And I think it's something that you pick up when you start doing your own projections. It's, it's like a huge deal if you don't have any rushing upside. And so Burrow, um, for me, when I'm looking at his final stat line that I'm projecting across 17 games, uh, he's throwing, um, he's throwing uh, 40 passes a game, and then he's hitting, which you know puts him in this 683, 5,000 uh, yards passing, 29 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and so I'm very confident in his ability passing wise. Um, it's just the rushing. Where with him rushing, I have him at less than 40 attempts, 100, 100 something yards, one touchdown. Um, yeah. just because so just, it, it's a big concern there. Yeah. So it sounds to me like maybe we have a slightly different opinion on where his efficiency will slot in. Uh, because if you have him with that many attempts, that many yards and less than 30 touchdowns, it kind of makes me just kind of say, Hey, uh, is that, is that something we should expect? You know, is it, is he projectable into the mid thirties, uh, in terms of touchdown? touchdown rate or not touchdown rate but total touchdowns and, and if he can do something like that i think you know he he maybe can make the argument uh to move to move up um is that just not something you see i it's something i'm really excited to see uh especially with them adding chase to an already yeah. pretty decent uh receiving core yeah so i think the question is where do you derive the touchdowns from and this goes back to our original you know, concept of uh, how are we putting these quarterback projections together? And so a lot of the way that I build the, the modeling is my touchdowns come primarily from what I expect the wide receivers to do year over year and what I, what I see from those guys and less about um, what the like total volume is and what that would be. So it feels outsized to be like, oh yeah, there's 5,000, uh, you know, passing yards. That means he needs to be hitting mid thirties into the forties. Uh, you know, while Russ is is hitting forty pretty easy, um, I, I think that it's harder for me to project big touchdowns for guys uh, that he's played with that have never had double digit touchdowns, right? So Tyler Boyd, I don't believe he's had double digit touchdowns. I don't know how many T Higgins. Maybe you can inform me there. T Higgins wasn't. I mean, you know, he was just kind of getting his feet wet. Uh, and then Jamar Chase being a rookie, those aren't guys that I think are going to be big touchdown hogs. And I think that a lot of their uh, the deal with just the team is going to be a little bit less efficient in terms of pure scoring because the offensive line is still going to suck. And a lot of their yards are going to be garbage time yards trying to pick up whatever they can uh, without necessarily leading teams, right? So you think about like Aaron Rodgers' efficiency or Russell Wilson's touchdown efficiency and how high that is. A lot of that is built in because these are excellent quarterbacks who are you know competing in games. Uh, rather than more of this garbage time stuff where they're playing catch up. Uh, and so that's kind of my thought on Joe Burrow. 
as far as what's limiting the touchdowns there. And so I, I don't think mid thirties is, is far off, right? You can say something similar about like our Kirk cousins last year, who was a surprisingly mid thirties um, and having similar kind of caliber weapons. Um, but that would be my, my general feel is uh, this will be a low thirties, high twenties kind of uh, offense. Yeah, I think that's fair to say, especially because we do have some, some big concerns around that offensive line and just how uh, just how successful or efficient that offense will be in a whole as a whole um i think there's a there's a lot of projection upside maybe is maybe a good way to say it in that in that whole offense there's a lot of efficiency uh upside on the table that's built upon a sturdy you know specifically we think about this being a table um you know we've got some really sturdy legs of volume being projected here that we can kind of project off of. And the question is, is how nice a table this is going to be? Well, it's going to totally depend on the finish on top here. Um, what, what sort of piece of wood we put on top? Maybe glass. I don't know. Uh, not get off and more design unboxing stuff. But <laughs> yeah, terrible. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it was pretty interesting last year. T. Higgins really didn't score a ton of touchdowns. Only, I think, six based on my mark here. He He's a guy that you know now note that was on some limited games he didn't play every game um but he's a guy who should score touchdowns and we think chase chase is going to be excellent there as well so yes. i i i tend to lean back a little bit more on saying hey look at like, this volume is pretty great jetpack like i really like these i really like these table legs this is like some really sturdy table legs here it's like yeah, tree trunks, man. Just about as good as you can get. And uh, and you're like, Ryan, the, the table is not finished yet. It has not shown us that it's to be any sort of reasonable quality eating surface. And so maybe <laughs> look in some some of the other directions and say, okay, that's something I can I can understand your hesitancy in. Yeah. Yeah, I think we could look at the table and say we don't have any chairs to sit on. Uh, that would be the <laughs> yeah, offensive line. There we go. Yeah, yeah that's the, that's the yeah. offensive line. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's been the case of the Bengals for the last five five years is they've had the yeah, same problem and they've, and they've never fixed it. And Andy Dalton has been this you know kind of semi-capable quarterback and they never really supported him. And they kept adding John. They made I can't believe they made the same mistake. But it was like, oh yeah, we're gonna draft John Ross at nine, and then you know we're gonna add all these weapons and Joe Mixon, and you know we're helping Andy out, and then okay, we're not gonna give him anybody to protect him, and so he's never going to hit those those high numbers, even if his passing yardage is exciting, the touchdown numbers are not, and and so uh, just in the bigger grand scheme of things as far as my projections go one of the goals i have is figure like what's the goal of my projection the the I, the main idea of what i'm trying to do is find a good points per game number and so i think too that's why sometimes there's some discrepancies so where i can say okay i can control what this number looks like um and end up with something like he i know he's going to get high volume but i still want to be kind of uh restricted or not restricted but patient on the touchdowns um, conservative on the touchdowns because I don't want him to be pushed up uh, too high in that. And so right now I have him at 17.8 points per game. That's an improvement on what he was last season. There's definitely a Jamar Chase effect, um, but I'm not ready to push him up into this this big time tier. And I think that that's reflected uh, in terms of the offensive line. We can say there's definitely a limit here. Whereas with all the other guys in tier two, we can say, 
hey, these guys might be ready to jump into tier one. That that's to me is what what makes them tier two is it's like, okay, there's questions, but they have an opportunity to be a top five quarterback. I don't see that with Joe Burrow. I think there's too many questions on that end. And so for me, that's why he's outside of the tier two for sure. That's that's fair. Yeah, he's definitely a guy that you to to work his way up the field, work his way up our projections. Um, he's going to be relying on really one area of his game. So he, he doesn't have kind of the well-balanced profile that we start to see in, in some of these other players who, who are at the top of their game. And that's a really interesting comment. Um, we've seen over the last couple of years, especially, more and more players enter the league who are exceptionally good at adding a dimension to their game beyond just passing. So, you know, I think about Rivers, Drew Brees, these prolific passers. We're starting to see more and more players who are able to do, uh, you know, maybe maybe not excel in the passing game, but be good enough in the passing game um, or even be above average and and then add an element to their game in the, in the rushing aspect that is extremely valuable for the way that we, most of us, play fantasy football and how it's scored. So it's a little bit different if we kind of think about this being, you know, a real life, you know, football, you know, maybe the EPA or expected points added or some things like that. Some more efficiency, how much win percentage points are they, these players adding can be a lot, you know, like we can debate on the merits of that. But when in terms of comes, when it comes to fantasy football, these players who are adding this rushing upside is so critical. And really what we're starting to see now in, and it really does come in here after your third tier. So maybe about 50, maybe 10 to 15 players, Maybe 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 right around I don't know what, what you want to call it. Um, maybe about fifteen maybe is the right way to say. Um, is that we start to see quarterbacks kind of be in this have, have not category, and, and that's what's really been driving some of the the strategies that I mentioned earlier about best ball, where players are selecting with some of these good quarterbacks who are able to provide both elements of their game in the middle rounds, which has typically been. Uh, not a favorite strategy in the past. And that's because in the strategy in the past, you're looking primarily outside of like one or two guys at the very top. You're looking at really only passing stats, which can be more variable year variable or have more variation year to year than, than one might expect. So more less predictability is maybe a way to say that. And, and what we're starting to see, and this is why I think super flex leagues are so critical um, and so more fun to play in, is is because we mentioned earlier is we got this, this starting talent pool players who are able to put up good fantasy points is really grown and it's being boosted by these players who are are maybe good to average maybe quarterbacks actually in the league but they're very good fantasy quarterbacks and and still what we're starting to see is like you kind of feel at least as a fantasy player that you need to be you need to be double dipping in that tier, um, and that's you know kind of goes back to our strategy where we're saying yeah we we love some of the middle round values and some of these players we're able to get kind of both of these attributes in a single player and we're not paying you know first second round price like we might be doing for a for a Murray or a Jackson um, you know paying we're just getting in maybe a bit of an unknown discount for Fields or or Lord Lance. And interesting, it's because this influx of talent that is deepening the quarterback pool at the moment, it's driving 
a strategy where we're drafting quarterbacks a little earlier than we expected and, and causing this kind of J.J. Zacharyson's brand late round QB to go a little bit out of style. And it's something he's talked about recently where you need to be in this category of the have both skills uh, to be competitive in fantasy football just because of the way we score. But interestingly enough, as we add more and more players who have both of these skills, eventually it's going to go back to the way it was where if we, if we build out this talent enough in the league, you know, we're not going to have to, you know, risk missing out on players with rushing ability or who don't have rushing ability um, by waiting later and later, later and, and later in drafts because those players would still be available just because the talent of the NFL has changed. Now, do we fully ever get to that point where we've kind of have these have and have not, um, you know, we kind of eliminate that and it's like almost every player in the league has some, some level baseline level of rushing ability at the quarterback position. No, maybe not. But I mean, if it gets up to be a majority of the league, that edge is going to be gone. But it's an edge that we should be taking advantage of during this transition. Um, And that's kind of what we want to be focusing on. It's something I find very interesting when we take a look at like what's valuable at the moment. Oftentimes, you can find value is when things are changing. And this is a this is at the quarterback level in the NFL. We're seeing things are changing, at least more and more players are entering the league where they are expected and asked to do things that quarterbacks 10 years ago weren't asked to do on a regular basis. And that's really exciting for us, and it can add a lot of value. But we'll see if that trend continues and just becomes the norm, or if it just be continuing, continue to be an edge for a small majority or small minority, I suppose, uh, of players. And if it is, then we need to be drafting as such. Right on. Uh, so let's get into the next crop, right? So we've talked about who's got the potential to really sneak into the top five, top eight quarterbacks. Now we're looking for late round values that are going to hit um, late round values uh, of quarterbacks where you're, I mean, you're drafting them now into the, the ninth, 10th, 11th rounds. Uh, and then these guys could, could end up being QB ones, top 10, whatever. So uh, Cam Newton is really interesting to me. I have him as quarterback 15. Um, I do believe that he will start, and he's a guy that I'm very comfortable gambling with. His ADP is quarterback 27. So by no means do I think Cam Newton is the guy of the future or that he's the long-term answer uh, or that like he has a chance to revitalize his career. I don't think really that that's on the table, um, especially with this receiving group. Um, but I do think that he is interesting for this year. Uh, in fantasy, and so um, I'd be willing to gamble with him uh, and, and take him as you know again, twenty uh, fifth quarterback off the board. I got no problem with that. Um, Kirk Cousins would would follow him up. He's my quarterback sixteen. Um, then I'm hitting Joe Burrow, Derek Carr, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Trey Lance, and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And so just in this tier, this is my tier four. I actually like these guys a lot, uh, just generally speaking, um, Trey Lance, he's only down there because again, I think he's going to play very few games this year or not very few, but eight, maybe instead of 17, like everybody else. Um, but the other guys that I wanted to talk about or touch on were Ryan Fitzpatrick and Tua Tagovailoa and what you expect from these guys going forward. Uh, what, what are your thoughts there? I, I mean, Derek Carr and Kirk Cousins, they feel pretty set in stone for us. 
as far as what to expect and their offenses aren't going to change very much. And th- they've been pretty consistent over the years. Uh, but those two guys, the guys that both played with the dolphins last year, uh, they're now stepping into big time roles. And I think that, uh, there's, there's a lot of fantasy opportunity there for them. That might be a little bit more, um, than some of the other guys, a little bit more interesting than some of the other guys on this list. Yeah. The, the camp reports for Tua have, have been glowing, even with the issues that the wide receiver core continues to suffer there, uh, which is just unfortunate, but semi predictable. Uh, I think that he could be a, one of those players. It's like, we're, we're looking down this list. And we're saying, okay, we're kind of this late round QB, which is is valid, valid strategy still. But why is it a valid strategy? How is it a valid strategy? We're looking for the players who can provide kind of both sides to the the, the QB position when it comes to fantasy football. The rushing upside, passing upside. And if we're going to be leaning on the passing upside, it's got to be we're looking for offenses that can be exceptionally prolific based on the talent that's around them. They've maybe done it in the past. Fitzpatrick falls into that category. I think Cam Newton's a really interesting choice for you to have up this high. Um, one, it, because I don't think I would necessarily be drafting him there, but I can see a strategy that would work possibly very well, where if you do end up drafting someone like a Justin Fields or um, maybe even a Trey Lance, a little later in your draft, just pick the unsexy pick of Fitzpatrick or Cam Newton. They're both going like quarterback 25 uh, overall for Fitzpatrick, quarterback 27 at ADP for Cam Newton. He, you know, like it's at no cost really to you at that point. It's going to be outside the top 10. It's going to be outside possibly even the top 15 rounds uh, in your in your redraft league. It's a one QB league. And, and there's like no risk to pair just an absolute upside play like a Tua or maybe a Lance get that discount and he's not going to start and, and just play Cam Newton in the weeks that uh, you have to and kind of bridge to one of these other quarterbacks that you're expecting to kind of have that opportunity. I, I really like that idea and that strategy uh, when it comes to picking someone like a Cam Newton, especially in a league where you are allowed to make roster moves. I should, I should clarify that, you know, if you're making like a best balls, you're limited to maybe 18 roster spots or 20 or so. It, maybe Cam Newton doesn't look as good because he could be providing you no points for the second half of the year if Mac Jones does step in. Um, camp reports have been decent for him as well, so it's kind of been nice to see that, that all all systems are go on, on most of these quarterbacks, even the second-year quarterbacks outside of maybe Burrow uh, with concerns of his knee. So so it's a, it's a really interesting strategy, and it's one that I, I don't um, – I'm not shying away from is what I should say. It, it, it's a play. It's a strategy that I'm. I tend to employ a lot more in leagues where I can. I have access to waivers. Um, I have access to free agent bidding. Uh, I can drop Cam Newton after four weeks if I want to. Uh, if I have to keep him, it's just like a, a draft master format, like some of the best ball formats out there. If you're playing on any of the betting sites, underdog, etc. Then yeah, it, it's maybe not the strategy I I love to go with. It's not really what I would do. It would be it wouldn't pick picking a Cam Newton there, but it is something that you know I wouldn't mind doing like a Trey Lance Fitzpatrick or someone like that, and two players in this tier, uh, and probably be adding a third if that was the case if it was a best ball format. But but yeah, I I kind of like the idea of you know a bridge to a Lance something like that. 
Uh, is that a strategy you could see yourself using using this year? Yeah, I think Cam Newton, not. It's especially the cost. I mean, yeah. I mean, we saw how Cam Newton started last year. He had like one, two games where he was very, very good. Everybody victor lapped, and then he was yeah. not very good for this year. <laughs> but, but hey, man, you got two good games from him, right? If you had two good games, then you pivoted to like <laughs> Herbert. Like, no, if you had, yeah, if you had Cam Newton and Herbert late, with the expectation that Herbert starts at some point down the road, it's, that paid off for you last year. And so just right. do that it was, again this year. Yeah. That was such a great moment in time, the Cam Newton victory laps after three weeks. <laughs> it, was, it, was it was amazing. so bad. Like every analyst called it. Oh, it was so good. And then well, just like I wrote in my article, Cam Newton could be a, a top three quarterback this year. And then uh, just to see it totally explode <laughs> was It was funny. funny. And the, it's like the victory laps came as fast as the fall. I think to me, that was yes. the timing behind it. Just both of it was, was, ex, was exquisite. <laughs> I totally agree with your strategy to bridge to Lance. I think that's exactly what I'd be doing here. There's no cost to you. Um, but yeah, yeah, Lance is definitely a target. And then, um, yeah, we'll just finish up with kind of this, this, uh, this last bin of guys, the last 10 guys. Um, Anybody else that we haven't mentioned that's really jumped out to you? I know Matt Ryan is a guy that uh, we would expect to have a lot of volume. Um, to me, without Julio Jones, I think it's a little bit less exciting. And so whatever volume he have, I, I don't think the efficiency is going to be there as much. Um, and then, yeah, yeah we I have... don't really want to talk about Roethlisberger, but uh, what are your thoughts? <laughs> um. Okay, let me. I'll give you a quick take on both on these guys. Like one, like rapid fire here. Uh, ben Roethlisberger. At I'll just run through your ranks and just a quick thought. Uh, ben Roethlisberger is old. Matt Ryan is washed. Drew Locke is bad. <laughs> Baker Mayfield like doesn't throw at all. Zach Wilson is a rookie on the Jets, so I'm sorry. So that's just <laughs> bad. Organizational issues, maybe. Jared Goff is. Who's he going to throw to? Daniel Jones is bad. Doesn't matter that his wide receiver core is decent. Jameis Winston is semi-interesting. We can get to him maybe. But, I mean, if I have to say it from him, he might not even be the quarterback there. Sam Darnold, it's just every time I think of him, I think of that one, like, gif where he, like, like wipes his hair and then he gets mono. Tyrod Taylor, he's, like, he's, like, he's competing with Davis Mills. Yeah, no, please no. And then Carson Wentz has just been injured all the time. Uh, injured again um unfortunate yeah, so he's a guy we're both kind of excited about but um i think we can we've talked a bit about him in the past as well as some of these other guys uh i would like to needle uh our co-worker nick uh pentakoff if if he's listening um we don't think matt ryan is any good we think <laughs> uh the oc is overrated um what else do i need to say um Whatever Calvin, your projections, right. <laughs> yeah, uh, Kelvin Ridley is awful. Um, Pitts is was not a good pick for them. It wasn't. Uh, and and what else do we need to say? They're going to be third or fourth in their division this year. They're not a playoff team. I know no, this bottom is five, bottom five NFL. Yeah, team. yeah, they're gonna. They should have drafted a quarterback this year. They're going to draft a quarterback next year. Um, what other harsh realities do we need to reveal to Nick? Uh, just getting it all out. Um, whatever you think, like 
I guess maybe if anybody is friends with Nick, offer him a bet on over-under on wins for the Falcons, and you he will take the over and he will win money. Um, so maybe the advice to Nick is, like, set a limit for yourself this year, buddy, because uh, it's going to be a rough ride. Um, Pitts may be fine. Calvin Ridley may be great. Um, but that offense is going to be mediocre. And Matt Ryan is not that special. Uh, I have seen a few things that kind of are, you know. Okay, stop my bashing of the Falcons just because I think it's fun. And I like to give Nick a hard time. Uh, we love Nick. We love Nick. Yeah, I, I have yeah. seen some. Yeah, yeah. It's, I, I love you, Nick. I love oh, you, Nick. We love I, don't you. Love the, I love you, Nick. I think your takes are really good outside of the Falcons. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so... Uh, when it comes down to the Falcons, I think there's one like upside thing that we can say here. Is it the the systems that they did? Um, I think it's Arthur Smith back there again. He tends to run a little simpler uh, system for the quarterbacks, where like the routes and the play calling just tends to be a lot less complicated. Uh, I was doing some reading on this, um, and versus like kind of what the system he was in before, which is a lot more complicated. Um, and the play calls are a lot longer, a lot more specific, uh, and just like a lot larger playbook. So it's kind of an interesting perspective that I don't fully understand, but I thought that was semi-interesting. And I think things can be simplified for Matt Ryan because they need to be simplified for Matt Ryan, then he'd be fine. Uh, does he possess the upside that he once had when Julio Jones and Roddy White was at the peak of their career? No. And why is that? Well, it's because he doesn't have Julio Jones and Roddy White at the peak of their career. It's just as simple as that. So, uh, yeah, not that excited for him. Um, if there's a player in this category I wouldn't, like, take a shot on, uh, again, if it's a, a league with waivers, I think Zach Wilson late is worth interesting or a mid-season pickup because rookies tend to come on much stronger than vets towards the end of the season. I think Zach Wilson, Elijah Moore, that Mims, although I don't know what is going on with Mims at camp, could be interesting towards the end of the year. Goff is terrible. We don't. We can write him off. Daniel Jones has got semi-rushing ability, so if he like can walk himself into like the offense, like the like just I don't know, fall walk his way into a few touchdowns to to Galladay, that'd be fine. Jameis Winston, if he starts, probably jumps a tier or two, uh, just because he loves to chuck the ball a lot and volume is good. So that, yeah, that's my okay, quick takes look. on all these guys. Uh, okay, any. Yeah. Any feedback on all of that? First, first I want to say, Zach Wilson, I'm a big fan. I think he's a dynasty steal at this point in terms of his buyability. Um, And so, you know, when we're talking, like, people have such a large gap between when when he's quarterback four in this rookie class, and I'm very happy to take him him there. I think he's got a good opportunity to be a real baller. so Zach Wilson, I like him a lot. I think absolutely wherever you're taking him, you're getting a, him at a good cost. And so love that value. Um, but let's talk about the Saints and we'll figure out what's going on there. So I think the deal with what they have to do is Taysom Hill is not going to be a good thrower, but they don't have anybody to throw to. And so it's going to be mixed. Before the Michael Thomas injury, I was going to say, Jameis Winston has some serious uh, upside value. And it would be kind of similar to the same conversations we have about like a Joe Burrow or whatever, or Matt Stafford or something like that, where you, you know, like he's going to lose a little bit of volume, 
But on the passing side, he's he's going to be great as far as like, oh, this is still a Saints offense, and this is still a decently talented quarterback with a Michael Thomas. But you take that away, and they have to change their whole offense, I think. And so Taysom Hill is going to be a lot more involved. The way that I'm projecting them, uh, it, you know, for me, their split is still that Jameis Winston is the starter, um, but just that he gets crushed in terms of volume, and then they end up basically cannibalizing each other. Um, and yeah, in terms of fantasy, that's value. a good. So, yeah, yeah I don't know. He's I have not a Taysom player Hill that I would pick. Like, no, I have Taysom Hill at maybe a hundred carries, and I feel like pretty confident with that. Uh, 100 carries, six and a half yards per carry, 657 uh, rush yards, and then throwing 91 passes, right? So Taysom Hill to me is not somebody that I'm really interested in at all, unless I can flex him into a tight end spot or something like that, uh, or running back spot. And then, uh, yeah, Jameis Winston, I mean, for me, he's just not going to hit the numbers anymore. So I have him under 4,000 yards passing. Uh, under 30 yard, uh, like he's got 24 passing touchdowns to me, which I think is generous, but um, that's kind of the ballpark uh, that I'm at with those guys now. Yeah, no, it completely makes sense. And kind of what I'm gathering from our conversation here is this, if fantasy sites mess up their designations again this year, it sounds like Taysom Hill, tight end one. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be, yeah, anyway. Yeah, Mayfield's another interesting guy. I mean, it's like, we're just like kind of dumpster dive a little bit. I mean, these guys are all like, I'm looking for players who are going to stick in the league for a bit in Dynasty in this kind of category. Like, who's going to be in the league for a while um, and and has the ability, if the situation or offense has changed, is to put up much better numbers. Um, Mayfield's a guy, I think that, I think from a talent perspective and from a, he did it in college perspective could do could do that so for for redraft no i'm not really thinking May- baker mayfield's going to be anything special but i think you know it wouldn't surprise me if we're looking up in two three years and the offense is looking a little different if baker mayfield you know is hitting the 35 pass attempts a game he'd be in tier you know two tiers up maybe you know kind of a, you know maybe matthew stafford ish maybe not quite you Matt get him out of this, you know. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> not right. Uh, yeah, that's good. Uh, I can't believe you drank. Yeah, I can't believe you ranked Drew Locke. Um, you didn't even rank the starter in. Didn't even rank the starter in Denver. I'm just, <laughs> yeah, just, no, just kidding. Hey, no, I, I'm think, I think Drew Locke. <laughs> Drew Locke. Drew Locke. I got him ahead of Baker Mayfield. Is that hot? Oh, I don't know. That, but that's where I, I'm at. I mean, hot. The I don't know. There. It's, it's bad. It's not, it's not necessarily <laughs> hot. Um, it, this is the whole thing. It's like, how many bad decisions are going to be made this year, next year, and beyond? Because Josh Allen somehow, some way, oh, I know. I know. Yeah. became decent. It's hilarious. And you hear the coaches talking about it, like when they actually like to like, well, we expect that. Well, I guess they don't sound like that. Maybe, maybe they're more like, they're more like a Dan Campbell coach. Like, yeah, they're yeah. like gruff voice. I imagine him like biting kneecaps off quotes and stuff like that. That dude is nuts. Um, anyway, it just is. It cracks me up. They're like, yeah, we have this quarterback who's like been really bad, but we're pretty sure that's gonna change this year. It's like, yeah, good on you. 
and you passed on Justin Fields in the draft, and you're going to hate it and regret it, and you're probably going to get fired because of it. <laughs> yes, yeah, uh, that's, yeah that's, that's a good point. Uh, I think that's a, uh, a good comment on Sam Darnold, you know. He's yeah, uh, uh, he's tough. You know, for me, if the camp reports were like, "Oh yeah, Sam Darnold's balling," I'd be all about it. But they're not, and so well, what did you yeah. expect? It's like this is this uh, is not know, surprising. I was for some sort of some sort of Adam Gase reprieve or relief, but he wasn't that good in college. Like he I'm, was never a very like he was never a, a he was never. A, a, a very prolific player. He was good, um, but the he was just young, and right. and so it, you the hope was oh he's going to develop oh he's going to develop this is the year he's going to develop. And it's like no, at some point you're like he kind of is what he is, right? Like and that's kind of maybe the anti-Stafford takes. Like Stafford puts up a lot of volume, but he struggles struggles to to win football games. That's bad analysis. Don't don't actually quote me on that. Um, because the teams around him have been quite bad, but uh, it, I don't think Stafford is you know top five, top you know ten quarterback talent in the league. Maybe he's close, but top ten is pretty pretty easy to get into. But he's he's in that you know he's in that fifteen to seven range, which is good enough to win if if the team is good. But anyway, going on and on um, here. Just long story short. Uh, guys don't usually change who they are. That's why analytics in fantasy football, a lot of it, guys are just going to quote you what they did last year or they did the year before. And there's a reason why that tends to work. It's because guys don't tend to change a whole lot um, from what they were. So it, it's just just by kind of understanding that you get an edge. Sam, so Sam Darnold, um, Drew Locke, um, this quarterback class, this new new rookie quarterback class, as good as they are, I think they're going to get people fired, especially the teams that passed on them. All right, let's finish up with one uh, value and one bust. I'll let you go first. Who's the best value this year? Redraft. Who's the the worst the worst pick? Who's going to bust? And and put it in relationship to ADP, just kind of in, in your own thoughts there. Ooh, um, this is a uh, an interesting thing. Um, and not stalling for time, I'm trying to decide if I should, if I, you know, pick. My heart says Justin Fields, and it depends on when you drafted him in in the off season, because I think it's, his ADP is only going to get more, is only going to rise, and only going to get more efficient as the off season goes on. But I think Trey Lance. Justin Fields, um, one of, if not both of those guys, are going to be league winners at the end of the year, especially at the end of the year. They, If you're able to get them outside the top uh, 15 quarterbacks that are selected, especially in a single QB league where you're, you're able to start someone else pretty uh, safely for the first few weeks and you can, you know, you're going into the playoffs with a Fields or a Lance on your team, those guys are going to be such an advantage uh, because you're getting them you know, at this point in time, ADP is changing, and I think these guys are going to rise as it goes on. But you're getting them at, at 19, ADP 19, and uh, ADP 21 in terms of quarterbacks selected. So those those two guys are are my my buys. My my bust 
if if I if I had to pick, I think um, Josh Allen is probably most likely, um, but I don't think he falls wow. a ton. Yeah, it, just because it, it he's only done it one year, and I have concerns about him just regressing across the board. Um, I think Josh Allen is probably most likely if he's being selected as a second quarterback overall. I don't think I would pick him um, really in the top four. So I think that in terms of just biggest drop in terms of the difference between first and second pick, whatever, it's a lot more than someone's way down the board. Um, other players that I think might be, uh, I'll give you one more good one. Um, I think Jalen Hurts at pick 12. Uh, that's pretty kind of easy though, um, especially for Dynasty. I think there's the smoke is too much at this point. I, I would be a little bit hesitant about him, especially long term in Dynasty. So there's my there's my redraft bust in my Dynasty fade, in my two Dynasty buys. Or how about you? Yeah, yeah so I'm, I'm trying not to be like pick the easy ones. You know, it's, right, yeah, it's yeah. easy to go like. I think the player who's rated number one will be not finished number one. Well, yeah, of course. Like, <laughs> no, we don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Yeah, I think uh, with you on Fields and Lance, of course, but my buy for redraft would actually be Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I really like that quarterback 25 uh, cost on him, and I think he's got some, like, you can insert him in some, some good games and playing in the NFC East. Uh, you know, you're playing the Eagles, playing the Cowboys, playing the Giants. I'm not really scared of any of those defenses and i love his weapons i love terry mclaurin i'm a fan of curtis samuel uh and so i think that they're going to trust him and it's one of those things where it's he his his career and this situation and them being a playoff team they can go in and just let it loose right i mean he literally fitzpatrick has nothing to lose and he's kind of on his own like revenge tour he got kicked out of miami and scorned by the coach and he felt like that was his team and that was his opportunity. So now this is his chance uh, to really show out. And I think quarterback 25 is a great spot for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So I think he'll he'll end up in this, you know, quarterback uh, 15 possibility uh, kind of grouping for me. And so, I, yeah, I really like him at, at 25. So he'd be my buy. And then my fades would be uh, both Matt Ryan and uh, Baker Mayfield. I just, you know, I'm not really into them. Uh, I mean, Matt Ryan's quarterback 15. Uh, Baker Mayfield's quarterback 17. I mean, there's no way I'm, I'm touching Baker Mayfield uh, at quarterback 17. Um, I, I would let him fall uh, pretty far. Um, and that's just volume related. I, I think it's easy to get excited about Odell every year. Um, you know, but the, the way that they're, you know, throwing the ball, it's just, it's not going to happen. So, um, yeah, Baker Mayfield, the guy that, that I'm out on for sure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's good picks. I think... Um... Uh, how about this? Is it? Can you pick a player that you know I'm high on that is gonna flop? So what's Ryan's biggest weakness? Biggest take? Take lock here that he's got to work on? Uh, I don't know. I so we I, again we were drafting for. You think it's Burrow? I, mean, I, I do. I I think I think it's Baker Mayfield because we were drafting. Ooh, it's interesting. And I was I don't know. I felt like I was taking like James Robinson or something. And you took so Baker Drew Mayfield. Lock, Baker Mayfield. Who finishes higher? I got Drew Lock. Yeah. Seriously. Okay, and I've got Baker Mayfield. We need to make this a bet here. Um, yeah. Points per game bet, or like, do you want to do like game started bet? Because I'll win both. 
Points for gaming. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Points for gaming is good for me. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, All right. So we'll, we'll get that. We'll get that. How many uh, galactic credits up. do you want? How many galactic credits um, are you putting on the line here? I don't know. Uh, what's Drew Luck's number? Three? I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> oh, well, that's not very many. Um, no. Yeah, sure. Uh, just do Let's Baker Mayfield's number. Yeah, sure. I was oh, going to we'll say Baker 50. Mayfield's oh. number plus Drew Lock's number and times by 10. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's probably 50. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know quarterback numbers. Credit. 50 galactic okay. credits. Yeah, uh, redeemable at where? I don't know. The FFA uh, thrift in, shop. In the astronaut store. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, You can make it to space with all the other rich billionaires um, and that's us right. astronauts. Um, you can redeem your galactic credits. So, yeah, yeah. great. I love it. All right, man. That's a yeah. good game. Excellent show. I'm pretty happy about that. Yeah. That sounds good. Uh, apparently, go go Browns. What do they say? Go Dogs. Uh, what are they? Go Pound. I what? I, pound. what is their best? I don't know. Like Dog yeah. Pound or something. Woof. I don't know. Yeah. All, right, All I know is go Falcons. Nick, we love you. We I'm love you, Nick. I'm sorry. Pod. We're stringing a lot yeah, of these quarterback pods together, but we're getting into it. So, so next round, we'll I think we'll do running backs next time, and we'll get into Perfect. our running back rankings. Get, getting excited for the season we're right there so yeah yeah so if you anybody listening has uh, a player or a situation that they have some questions about uh, feel free to drop it off um we you can find us on twitter that's actually the best place just tag us with a show question either jetpack or i um you can find me rbkini at twitter jetpack jetpack Galileo, uh or just tag the ff astronauts twitter account of course um, we're going to be launching our in-season guide upcoming. I think we've got some some exciting news uh, uh, just about how accessible that's going to be for you guys um, dropping very, very soon. So I think maybe the, the wait will be worth it. And and then beyond that, if you're looking for a rookie guide, we've got our excellent rookie guide, rookie guide up on the site. Please check that out. Patreon, you can support us there. Um, goes to help pay not only our costs here, it goes to pay our wonderful writing staff. So we really, really, really appreciate it and keeps all of our YouTube videos, etc. film room, supports the whole enterprise. It, it's a huge thank you uh, to the guys who are supporting us. And if you want more interaction with us, Patreon, Patreon slash FFAstronauts, or you can join us over at Discord. Of course, all those links, find us at any one of the three Twitter accounts, of course. So just start there and you'll kind of find the rest of the enterprise so anyway can't can't uh, encourage you guys to do that and thank you guys enough for your support um again the guys people who do buy the guides do support us on patreon like it makes this operation go and so thank you again and if you aren't a supporter uh, no pressure but uh, we would really appreciate it even if you just supported an amount uh supporting the film room um excellent free resource that we accept either donations or just a small, super small monthly um, donation, like two bucks, just to support that goes directly to the the team that puts together those amazing cut-ups of college film. So I uh, can't say enough about supporting those guys. So anything else, Jetpack, or ready to sign off? I think we're ready. We are the Fantasy Football Astronauts, and we are blasting off again. <laughs>